visualize it with. So I started looking at real estate investing. And I was like, oh, you can get money for these deals or you can do deals like wholesaling with none of your own money. You just need the knowledge. Yep. And yep. that's why I got into real estate because I didn't have a lot of money, but I acquired the knowledge and now I was using other people's money and, you know, finding deals and just putting them together. And, you know, today I, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and said, I, you could take everything away from me and I'd be fine because I know how to make money. I know how to exactly. serve businesses. I know how to do that. So that's why I got into real estate. Okay. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey family, it's Marcus Maloney again, and I want to welcome you to today's show. Today we'll be talking with Zach Ullman. Zach is a local real estate investor here in the Phoenix metro area, and he has something especially important that I want to drive home to you guys today. We always talk about um, wholesaling and we talk about, you know, apartment syndication, things like that. Well, today we want to dig into subject to investing. Zach Ullman has a great story he want to share with everyone. And just to give you a little feedback about Zach, Zach has been uh, investing over seven years now. He has a group that's called the Valley uh, Investment Club where they team members and they partner together to do tons of deals here in the Phoenix market. So without further delay, I want to welcome you, uh, Zach, to the show. And I know I didn't do your intro any good, but um, let's kind of kind of rehash everything, man. Kind of introduce introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Marcus. So my background, well, I grew up in a small farming town in Northwest Indiana, and I said, hey, I want to become rich. I want to have lots of money. And everyone said, well, go to school, right? So I took that route, graduated uh, from Indiana University uh, with a double degree in finance and business administration. And then 2008 happened, right? When I graduated, uh, had various jobs as a real, worked for a real estate investor, uh, worked down at the Chicago Board of Trade as a commodity broker. And then I got a job as a valuation consultant and I had no idea what it was, but, I, <laughs> but it sounded fun. So what it was, was is essentially if, if something can create cash flow, I can put a value to it. So I valued software, human capital, patents, uh, public companies, private companies, uh, just all types of different assets. And I loved it. But what I found was I was working 60 to 100 hours a week. And, you know, I just didn't have that lifestyle I wanted. So I joined a, a local real estate investing group. And I've been full time for probably full four years. Okay. And I've, I've been I've done almost every type of real estate you can think of from I've done fix and flips, I've done wholesaling, I've done regular single family rentals, multifamily rentals. Uh, multifamily flips, subject to lease options, contract for deeds, short-term rentals. And the way that I uh, like to look at stuff is, you know, give me a person with a problem around real estate and then let me use all these different acquisition and disposition strategies to make it a deal. And gotcha. that's how I've, I've been able to do so much, uh, many different types of real estate because I think the, the most people out there, they only know traditional wholesale, traditional fix and flip, traditional rentals. And, you know, if it doesn't fit their mold, they pass. And if you, if you uh, have all these uh, understanding of all these different strategies, you can almost make anything a deal. Yep. And that's what I just love doing. So coming from the Midwest, man, I'm from the Midwest also. You're, you're in Indiana. I was in Illinois. So we butted up right against each other. And I didn't know you worked at um, the Merck in Chicago. So you got some Chicago roots. So tell me, man, coming from a small Midwest, what what drove you to get into real estate? You know, what was your inspiration? Yes, I know you wanted to make some money and everything like that, but there's tons of other ways to make money. So why real estate? Yeah, so I uh, I actually own properties in like South Holland 
I know the area very well. Yeah, South Holland, Phoenix, Illinois, Posen, places like that. So I own a bunch of rental properties down there. I, I grew up, well, I was born in Blue Island. So Blue oh, Island yeah. is right by, you know, all of that area right there. So and we just closed the deal in West Pullman today, actually, just closed about an hour ago. Um, so I know the area very well. So Chicago is, is definitely uh, one of my stomping grounds. I virtual wholesale, actually, from here in Phoenix back home in Chicago. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats on your deal, buddy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So what got me into real estate was I always, I knew that the people that had made lots of money and had sort of freedom around their time and their schedule and created a future, they were business owners and investors. That's what I saw. And I didn't know how to start a business. I had no idea how to make money. I graduated at the top of my class from Indiana University, but it didn't teach me how to make money. It taught me how to you know, learn and how to work for someone else. So I would go and I would try to start a business. I had no idea. And then I was like, well, why don't I just buy a business? Uh, you know, buy an existing business. I know how to value them. That's my background, right? I know how to value them. But then I didn't have any money. I didn't have enough money. And I didn't know how to raise capital. I didn't know how to have those conversations. The people I were talking to, they, they didn't want to lend to me because uh, a business is, there's a lot of intangibles that if it goes wrong, there's nothing to collateralize it with. So I started looking at real estate investing. And I was like, oh, you can get money for these deals or you can do deals like wholesaling with none of your own money. You just need the knowledge. Yep. And yep. that's why I got into real estate because I didn't have a lot of money, but I acquired the knowledge and now I was using other people's money and, you know, finding deals and just putting them together. And, you know, today I, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. I said, I, you could take everything away from me and I'd be fine because I know how to make money. I know how to exactly. serve I know how to do that. So that's why I got into real estate. Okay. Okay. Well, who was your inspiration? I know getting started, um, you probably saw somebody that was doing something, you know, or maybe an infomercial or something like that. Well, who was your inspiration to really push you forward? I went down. So I started in Chicago, Downers Grove area, and I got invited down to a, a local real estate investing group. And I saw a 22 year old young man, that was making $10,000 a month in residual income and he was traveling. And I'm like, that is what I want to do. Wow. And you know, and all he had no college degree. He didn't go through the formal education. He had education, right? A real yeah, estate. Yep. Education. Yep. And you know, and I joined that same group. I took that same uh, real estate investing education and it, he just inspired me because I saw what he was able to create as a young man. And I was 27 at the time. And uh, I said, hey, maybe I'm on the wrong path for what I mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. I just jumped, jumped over. Okay. All right. Sweet. I mean, everybody have to have that. You got to have some kind of passion in real estate in order to do it and have some longevity because it is sales and not all the time, you know, you can make a sale or close a deal, you know, but tell me because I know most real estate investors are cut from a different cloth, man. Um, so tell me kind of what was your first ever business transaction inside of real estate no outside of real estate just first ever business transaction oh i so i i had a a car detailing business and i okay. would i would detail people's cars and you know i would weigh under charge <laughs> but it was you know it was like it was some beer money uh you know to go out for the weekend yeah yep. i was in school and stuff like that. So yeah, that was, I would say that was my first business. Okay. All right. So tell me, um, all right, let's kind of dig into your first real estate transaction, man, because just, you know, before we got on, you were telling me about some amazing things that you're doing. So kind of share with me what, what's that first transaction, real estate transaction? How did it occur? How did you find it? Where did you get the money from? Let's kind of walk through that for, for the listeners. Yeah, so my first my first deal ever was in Sauk Village, Illinois. <laughs> ah, know that area also. My brother yeah. lives there, still yeah. lives there. <laughs> yeah, so I I got, you know, I was part of a, a local group of real estate investors, and I was a new guy, and we have these people with tons of experience, and I just really made friends with everyone I could. And there was this one guy, his name's Randy, uh, Randy Pertler, and he just, man, he's such a heck, an amazing guy. And he, I said, Hey, I want to do a deal. And he just sort of took me under his wing and he would give me assignments. 
He's like, hey, go do this, go do this. And I'd come back and I'd get it done. I'd come back and get it done. And I remember one day it was like, uh, Zach, are you ready to close? And I'm like, <gasps> like, I'm getting all nervous, <laughs> and freaking out. And it was only, it was a $30,000 deal, right? And uh-huh. I've never owned a house before. So $30,000 is like, oh my gosh, this is, my mentality was like, this is a lot of money. And I overanalyzed it and I was freaking out. And I actually, we closed on it. And I remember sitting at the, the closing table and I was so excited and I walked out of there and I felt like I just conquered the world. Uh-huh. I felt, I'm like, I was expecting like everything to stop and there to be, you know, champagne and, <laughs> and, and like fireworks when I walked right, out. Right, right. I was like, do you know what I just did? I just closed my first real estate deal. And I was super excited. And then once I got through it, I was, I was like, that was easy. Now that I know, right now that yep, I've been through yep. it, like that was easy, but I had to go through it. And uh, we just, over the next uh, four or five months, I had, uh, I think eight or nine rentals. Okay. I'm just boom, boom, buying them up. So, so that first one in Salt Village, you, you closed on that one as a rental. So it wasn't a flip or anything like that. Yeah, I actually bought it. So here we were flipping them to a hedge fund. Okay. So we would, we would find them, fix them up, put a tenant in place and then sell it to a hedge fund as a turnkey rental property. So I actually bought that uh, to, to set it up as a rental and then sell it as a turnkey rental. So I purchased it with um, a credit card. I bought, I got a credit card. I, uh, <laughs> I bought it with a credit card and it was awesome. Uh, and then, you know, what happened? I was like, Oh, I want to keep this and I want to keep all these other ones. So I went and got a portfolio loan. Gotcha. And, uh, refinanced them out and just kept on myself. Well, I was laughing at you getting it, you know, with the credit card because everybody always throws up all of these roadblocks. You know, I can't close on a deal. I can't find a deal. I can't, I don't have the money to, to, to get a deal, you know, but you found a way you said, Hey, I don't have a lender. Let me get this credit card and, and put it on a credit card. I mean, I don't advise that because of the interest rates, but still, you found a way to do it, and then you then turned it over and refinanced it and put it in a portfolio with a portfolio lender. So how did you how how did you find that deal? Was it were you guys doing direct mail? Were you doing cold calling, door knocking? You know, how did you guys find that deal there in Salt Village? Yeah, I, I, real quick before I talk about that, that those credit cards were actually zero percent. Okay, smart, smart. Card. Because if you buy them at like twenty, yeah, twenty-seven percent, whatever. I mean, that can that can sort of yeah, that eat that eat your eat your profits up quickly. Yeah, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm glad we clarified that. I wouldn't want to buy on twenty-seven percent. And here's the other thing, and this is what I've learned with experience is, I make offers all the time right now, and I don't know how I'm going to fund them, right? But I know yeah. that they're a deal. I know that they're a deal, and I and then I go find the money. And and some people, when I first started, I just couldn't. I was like, there's no way that that I'm going to make an offer if I don't have the money. So how did you get over that hump? Because I know that I talk to a lot of newbies and that's one of the things that's the major roadblock is I don't have any money. And you know, and you just said, Hey, I don't have the money, but I know it's a deal. How can I make this work? How did, how did that click in your brain to say, okay, I don't have the money, but I know I can find the money somehow because I know this is a deal. How did, how did that psychological change happen? It went through that, that first one. That's why I funded it with my credit card. And my, the conversation I had with myself was if I lose, it's my money or, or you know, it's my credit or my, yep, yep. I would feel horrible if I lost Marcus's money. Right. Yep. Uh, but then after that first one, I was like, Oh, this was, I understand the process. I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time educating myself. So I was prepared I was just scared, but I was prepared. And then once I went through it, I was like, oh, wow, this is easy, you know, relatively speaking. Yep, yep. And then I started raising money from outside sources because I had the confidence in myself that I actually went through it. Uh, so what I would say, you know, we, we run a group of, man, we have over 300 real estate investors in our local group. And that conversation that I don't have the money limits a lot of people. So what we say is, hey, just go find somebody to talk to and then bring it to somebody experienced in our group and then let's partner on it. So you don't have to worry about having the money. Having the money. 
because you got a team of people in the background that'll that'll help you take it down and you know either give you a, a, a fee or partner on it. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways we can we can set those uh, up. And that's the power of networking and right. the power of relationship building. Because if you try and go out there and be the lone wolf, because I, I was the lone wolf for for a long time. Getting started, it was like okay, my mind was just set on you know what do I need to do in order to make this happen. But when you start partnering with people and getting out there and networking, you start saying, okay, well, I don't have the money here, but I know this person over here has money, but he don't have the deal. I have the deal and no money. Let's partner on this and get it done together. Both of us walk away with some money. Both of us walk away with the friendship. And now we can come back to the table and do another deal and more and more deals. So, I mean, that's one of the powers that I see in the Valley Investment Club is that you kind of pull these people together, you know, so you have their strength in numbers, right? You know, so excellent, excellent, man. So tell me, I know, so you, you're doing these deals. You have, how long ago was this, by the way? My first deal? Yeah. Oh, six, five, six years ago. Okay. So five or six years ago, not too long ago, you know, and now you're running a club of over 300 people. Um, and you made that transition from Illinois to here in Phoenix. So kind of explain to me, what, do you, what did you need to do in order to really spur that growth? I know you have these, these rentals and everything like that. What did you do in order to really spur that growth on your end outside of just that first deal? Did you have a mentor? Did you have someone else that you, that you were talking with? Yeah, so what I did is, I got started in a group of people in Donner's Grove that had like three to 500 people that met every Thursday. It was a local real estate investing group. And I had everything I needed there. I had money, I had properties, I had resources, contractors, closing attorneys. And I said, wow, I'm just going to create that out here. Okay. What we've done is I just created a group and then I've just, you know, started growing the group and then everything I need is, is already there. And I get deals coming to me every day. Gotcha. 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 So tell me, um, and we're going to get to Valley Investment Club, but let's talk about this subject to deal, you know, that we were talking about because, you know, what you, what you told me was, was an eye opener. So if you guys don't know what subject to investing is, Zach kind of introduce us what subject to investing is. Yeah. So subject to is an acquisition strategy. Uh, and it, it's become my favorite strategy. But essentially, at you know, the, the top level is uh, you're talking to somebody that has a mortgage in place and they own the property. And we, we need to understand the, 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 um, there's a note and then there's a property and then the mortgage or deed of trust attaches that note, collateralizes that to the property, right? So we have to understand what that means. And a subject two is the note stays in the seller's name the deed, the ownership goes into my name or my business's name. So, um, uh, you know, the, as soon as I say subject to, everyone's like, well, what about the do on sale clause? clause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I would say to that is there's, there's ways to mitigate that. It's actually, I talked to a guy down in Texas. He will underwrite that for like $1,500. He will take all that risk on. And if they call it due, he moves his financing in place um, for the same rate that that you uh, you have the underlying mortgage at. Wow! He, he does that because he got he's a very wealthy man, and he owns a title company. He said we actually looked into this with our lawyers. He says it's illegal for an FHA uh, uh, FHAs is the hard ones to, to get done. He says it's illegal for them to foreclose if you're current, right on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of these these details that we could get into at a later date, but that's the, the quick thing that the, the debt stays in the seller's name, the ownership goes into your name. And what that allows you to do is that allows you to get a residential 30 year mortgage. And in most cases, 30 year mortgage at a consumer rate. So I've bought, I bought properties anywhere. The lowest I had was two and a half percent interest rate. Wow. So I love that as the acquisition, and what it allows you to do is open up your, your exit strategies. So you could actually fix and flip it 
And then if the market turns, you can you turn it into a, a short-term rental, mm -hmm. turn it into a long-term rental. You could uh, sell it, contract for deed. I've done that. I've done lease option as the exit strategy. So it opens up a, a lot of different exit strategies because you have low interest, long-term debt in place. So how do you have that conversation with the seller? Because it can become integral because I mean, I understand the do on sale clause. All of, all of the years I've been doing this, almost 10 years, never seen a bank call a note because of the do on sale clause. Right. Um, but some sellers, they're not as savvy as we are. So they don't know. They, they know, okay, well, this note is still in my name. What happens if you don't pay? What happens if this? What happens if that? You know, they're always looking at the negative. So how do you present that as an offer? Yeah, well, here, so I, I'm talking to people that are going to pre for they're in pre-foreclosure. Okay. So, uh, so that would be the lead type. You, you're specifically looking at doing this with those who are in pre-foreclosure. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. Right. So that, that's what I choose to do. And I do that just because there's a deadline called the auction. Mm -hmm. If you don't solve that problem for the auction, they're going to lose their house. And so I try to come in there and, you know, first off, and, and I, and I want to share this is if I can help them save the home, I'm going to do everything I can to help them save the home. Right. I don't want to have put my self interest above theirs. And that's one of the reasons I got into this because I saw, you know, I, I love helping people. So if I can help them save the home, I'm going to, and we have, we've, we've help people save their homes and we don't charge them anything. We, we see it as karma, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But let's say we can't, let's say there's no way to save it. Uh, I can, I, I make a couple offers. I said, Hey, I can do this or I can do this. And subject to is, is one of them because I can give them a little bit more money that way because we're keeping the financing in place. So I just explained to them, I say, Hey, the, the debt's going to stay in your name. Uh, the ownership's going to go into my name. We're going to have it done through title right? So have everything yep. done up and up. We're going to do it on a performance deed, which means if I miss so many payments, you know, we, whatever it is, you get your house back. So I might sell, you know, I'm going to be putting money into this house. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, depending on the case, I may give them some money. I, I've had a house where I just took it over. Right. Okay. Uh, but I may give them some money if there's enough equity in it. And then I'm going to fix it up. And I tell them, you know, if I'm fixing this up, I'm going to lose all that. I mean, you could get it back if I, if I don't make the payments and then we set up the payments through a third party servicing company so that okay. they can, they can see that. And I explained to them, you know, uh, that your credit is going to, is going to go where your credit's going to be positive now. Yeah. And then, you know, the challenges is like, well, what if I want to get a new home? What if I want to refinance for a new home? We've had that happen before and we just say, okay, Hey, we're going to provide you the paperwork that shows you, that shows them we're responsible for that debt. For that debt, okay. Yeah. So a couple of things you said um, there real quick, Zach. Um, one of the things that you were alluding to and that you said is that, you know, presenting this offer, you're looking at people that are in pre-foreclosure. So they already have some sort of distress situation. So now when you guys are taking over that note, if they're in pre-foreclosure, they're behind on payments. Do you bring those payments current? Kind of what do you do in order to make sure that you're now selling a smooth ship, you know, without that debt still being, um, for lack of a better term, hanging over the head? Yeah. So we always bring them current. I mean, we, okay. that's part of, that's part of the, we bring them current and then we start making the payments on their behalf. Gotcha. Right. And gotcha. that's all done because if we don't bring it current, it's not, it, it, it's going to go to auction. Go to auction and you'll lose it. Right. So we'll, we'll bring it current, postpone it. And you know, we, we work things out with people. I've had people the day before the auctions, we've stopped the auction and then we give them a month. We're like, or what, you know, we're flexible. Everything mm -hmm. can be solved through communication and negotiation. And you know, we'll let them stay there for a month and then get their bearings together. Cause they just went through this horrific uh, stress called pre foreclosure and almost losing their house. And yeah. then a lot of time I pride ourselves. We love to go be above and beyond. We'll, We'll find them a new home. We'll help them move, right? Okay. Because no, it's really when you have that type of credit and your credit's dinged up. No one wants to rent to you. No one wants to 
uh, salty or, you know, they right. don't want anything to do. So we have uh, people we deal with here in the Valley that, you know, we, we know that they'll take these uh, people with Challenge credits. Yeah. Right. And then, so we'll find them a house for, we try to get a, a year, uh, uh, you know, term on it. Either if it's, uh, they're more, most of them are leases, right? Okay. Yeah. But well, the money that, if there's enough equity in the house, we'll, we'll pay, help them pay their first month's or first year's rent or whatever it is, how much we can mm -hmm. do. We want to give them as much as possible. And so that's like the value add, right? Because there's all, you got the wholesalers that'll give you the, uh, uh, you know, the, the lowest. Money. Yep. And then you got fix and flippers. And I'm like, well, I'll buy it subject to my value add is, hey, I'm going to let you stay in for a little bit, uh, depending on the situation. I'll, I'll find you a new place. I'll help you move, right? And then the, in those instances, there's always a, a, a withhold, right? Mm -hmm. If they don't move, I'm not going to pay them. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the things that I was going to ask you next was about the post-possession. Because I know that post-possession, guys, post-possession, like you stated, is they agreed to terms, everything closed at the, at the title company. And he, Zach, is allowing the current homeowner to stay in the property. Well, post-possession can get kind of sticky, you know, if people say, okay, well, no, I'm not going to leave. And then you have to go through the eviction process and everything like that. So that withholding is very smart. So guys, just to clarify, the withholding is, let's just say if Zach said, okay, he'll give them $5,000 to move or go towards their rent, you know, after a month, he'll hold back maybe $3,000 of the $5,000 to ensure that they move out because some people can say, yeah, thank you for honoring the post possession. And then when it comes to that 30 days, they don't want to leave, you know, right. so that's, that's smart doing that, doing that hold back. So now, go ahead. Oh, I, I have a document that I've created uh, because, you know, every, every deal I do, it's like, there's a new circumstance that comes up, right? Yeah. I created a document and I just fill it out. Uh, this is, this is the date of the move out. It's, there's a bunch of details, but th this is the date that you have to be out. If you're not out, it's this much every day I'm taking out of your withhold. And I want that, that withhold to be enough to hurt. And I don't want to mean hurt like that way, but not that they're just going to trash my, the house that's now mine or now that they're going to stay in it and I have to evict them or go through that process. Right, right. So I, I make sure it's big enough that it's like the carrot, like, hey, like get out. Or yeah, gonna, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's, you want to make sure it's mutually beneficial for both parties, you know? So, right. Hey, I get the property and then you get, you know, this capital, you know, to help you transition to your next place. So yeah. tell me about this, this $30,000 that you're getting annually on the subject to deal that you had. Yeah. So this, this was a great story and we got, we, we got to help this guy out and he, he was actually a famous musician. I'm not going to say his name, but man, he, okay. was, he was showing me like he has BB King's guitar. He used to play with BB King and Aretha Franklin. And he's just, uh, man, he was just such a great guy. And his house was listed. So his house was listed with a realtor. Okay. And it wasn't selling. And I, you know, we, one of my team members reached out to him and they were talking to him and, and, they shared the story. And here's what happened is the guy was on social security. Okay. His wife, uh, his wife got sick. So he quit all the traveling and, and doing everything. So he could take care of his wife. His wife passed away. So it was just him and he had a fixed income. He was on social security that would automatically get deposited in. Mm -hmm. And then his monthly mortgage payment would get pulled from that. Well, what happened is social security came in and clawed back some of his money and he didn't know about it. Oh wow! He didn't know about it. And so his mortgage payment wasn't getting paid and he didn't know about that until uh, he got the foreclosure notice. So he was freaking out. He didn't know what to do. He was trying to sell it. There was too much, there wasn't enough equity in it uh, to okay. sell it to fix and flip or to wholesale. So gotcha. they had a couple of people that were interested, but there just wasn't enough equity. And I came in, I said, I looked at the deal. It's a four bedroom, two bath in Mesa. So it's uh, more like Tempe Mesa area. And I said, wow, this would be a great short-term rental. I don't mm -hmm. really care about the equity. Would you be willing to sell this uh, seller financing? And I made the offer and it, there was a, there was a bunch of 
stuff. We had to do it. He filed bankruptcy to stop the foreclosure. Okay. So there was a lot of technical stuff we had to get through, but that's what we love because everyone else runs and we, we lean in. So the long story short is I got this property. I bought it subject to the existing mortgage. My monthly payment is $1,242. So $1,250 that's principal interest taxes and insurance. Okay. And then I've rented it as a short-term rental. So things like Airbnb, HomeAway, VRBO, there's tons of websites. Tons on of them. Yep. And I, uh, the, the general rule of thumb. Now I want you guys to understand Arizona is, you know, we're busy in the winter and no one, no one wants to rent in the, summer. Here in the summer. Yep. <laughs> but I actually, I kept this thing, a hundred percent occupied over the summer with baseball players. And you know what? And that's what I was going to say. You're right there on that Tempe Mesa border. So you're right there by the Cubs stadium, by Sloan stadium. Yeah. And, and then you have all of the baseball players that come in and out. So it's prime property. Yeah. So it was, so the general rule of thumb with short-term rentals and there's, there's all these people teaching this out there on the lease arbitrage where you actually mm -hmm. rent it, rent it from somebody, then you sublease it. And you sublease. Yep. That's the way to do it with, without owning it. I actually own the property in this instance. And the, you know, the rule of thumb is about $800 net per bedroom. Okay. So $800 times four, that's $3,200 a month profit times, I'm just going to take it times 10, right? Cause we're going to say, you know, throw out a couple months for yeah. vacancies and stuff like that. And just for other stuff, that's $32,000 a year. Right. And that's, you know, we can in, increase it from there, uh, right. As we fine tune our models and our pricing and our structures, but that's just a quick rule of thumb. So people, I, I don't care about the equity as long as I'm not severely underwater. I don't care because yeah. I can cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And you can do it with little to none of your own money. Uh, but again, you want to make sure you're responsible and you have reserves in these instances when you're doing subject to, because you have to make that mortgage payment. So, yeah. So with this deal, um, you said it was listed on the MLS with the realtor. So yeah. did you wait till it fall out, you know, of the listing or the listing canceled before you approached the seller? Or did you go through the realtor in order to get this done? We, we were working with the realtor and him. Okay. Both of them. Because here's the thing. We, this is a small world. Invest, right? Real estate investor. And last yep. we would screw somebody out of a commission, if, right? Yep. But she was in a place where she... It, she wasn't going to make anything. Exactly. Right. So I, I negotiated. I said, Hey, why don't I just pay you this as a leasing fee? You mm -hmm. know? So, so she got some money. Uh, okay. I think were three or $5,000. I don't remember. Uh, you know, to, to, uh, I, I wanted, I didn't want her to be discouraged and think that I was taking the, the, the thing from her. Right. No, I was, I was, and what, what my intentions was, was in that question was, because I know you said that it wasn't being rented. So I didn't know if, you know, the listing agreement canceled and then you guys happened to find it and say, okay, well, let me go and talk directly to the seller. But even working with the realtor, I mean, that puts you in a position of strength because like you said, that that realtor wasn't going to get anything because the property wasn't moving, you know, but now you can come to her and say, hey, here's an opportunity. You know, I know you want to be pleasing to your client, first of all, to get his deal done. And then also you can make some money on the back end. So, I mean, I was, that was smart. It was strategic. It was a win-win for everybody. And now you guys have a cash flowing um, rental right there in Mesa. So now are you guys, you still hold that one or did you, did you sell it? I just sold it a month ago as a turnkey uh, business, right? Cause it's technically a business now. Yep. And, uh, I made, I made some money. So Okay. Okay. I, I can tell by the smile on your face that you made, <laughs> you made a handsome profit on it, Zach. Okay. Sweet, man. All and right. Here's the thing. I want to share this. I sold it on contract for deed, which means who I sold it to not has seller financing. Right. Gotcha. Right. So I kept that mortgage still in place and I took, I took, uh, I sold it, I sold it for a premium and I got my, I took some equity on. So you still have the original mortgage in place from the, from the primary seller. Yes. And it went to you and now the person that owns the property now is still paying that same mortgage. So no one had to go and refi and 
get a mortgage. So you're still using the original mortgage. Yeah, I, I'm responsible for the original mortgage. Yep. And then the person I sold it to on terms um, pays me, and he's paying me more than I pay the bank. Mm -hmm. So right. arbitrage, basically. You're, you're in the middle, and the end buyer is paying you more than what that mortgage is for. So you're still cash flowing on that property. Yes. Excellent, guys. The, I, I hope you were able to follow all of that and you were able to hear all of that. Uh, he is, Zach is still cash flowing on a property um, that he doesn't own. You know, although he is assisting and making sure that that note gets paid, he's still getting money from that original note. So hope you guys followed that. So now, Zach, tell me, I need you to introduce to the listeners one valley investment club and velocity banking this is two things i need you to, to help everybody to understand um let's start out with velocity banking and then we'll kind of talk about uh vic valley investment club when we get ready to wrap up cool so velocity banking is a way to pay off your debt at an accelerated rate. And, and the reason it works is because it's, it uses lines of credit as opposed to loans. Now there's, we have 16 hours of training on this, this concept alone, so <laughs> I can't do it justice, but um, there's so many things that goes into it, but that's the, that's the heartbeat of it is, is because lines are revolving, meaning you put money in and then you can take it out. So you can go in and out, in and out. A mortgage, you can only put money in, and when you need it, you can't get it back out. You have to gotcha. refinance, right? So that's why it works. And what you're doing is you're using your property like a savings account. So I spoke with a guy in California. He had a million-dollar home. He owned like $400,000 on it, and he had $700,000 sitting in a bank account earning nothing. Wow. And I said, why don't, you know, you know and I got to always preface this. I'm not a financial. I, I don't have mm -hmm. a lot you know, gotcha. speak with a professional. Um, so I want to be responsible around that. But I said, Hey, what would it look like if you took that $700,000 in liquid cash and paid off your mortgage? Because a penny saved is a penny earned. So you're no longer paying that interest. And then what would it look like if you got a HELOC? So now you have the liquidity, mm -hmm. right? Because the people, the reason people put the money into the bank account is they want the easily accessible liquidity. Right. Exactly. Right? So that's the, the basis of it. And then we also do a lot of uh, things around taxes and uh, just cash flow, like moving cash in, in different ways. But this is, it, it goes under different names such as mortgage acceleration, sweep strategies. Fortune 500 companies use this method all the time. There's other countries that this is the foundation of their banking system. So in their world, they're like, what's the big deal? We do this every day. But in our world, we're used to, uh, we're used to loans, structured payment, mm -hmm. structured uh, terms, structured everything. Um, so yeah, that's, and, and here's the thing, people, I have a lot of videos on this and people get confused because they think like, it's, it's like a recipe, like, oh, I have this, I just need to do this and then I'll, I'll, my result will be this. The reality of it is it's like a deal. It's like a real estate deal is there's so many variables. What's your risk tolerance? What's your, what's your goal? Do you want to invest in real estate? Do you not want to invest in real estate? What's your credit like? And, and so there's, you know, how much cash reserves do you want? Because I used to run really thin on cash reserves and because yeah. I had credit lines. And then I'm like, uh, I ran into a couple of pinches where I'm like, oh, I want some cash. So I build yeah. up more cash reserves. So, you know, you got to feel it out. And, and once you understand, once you're educated on it, you get to build it the way that works for you. Okay. So, that, and that's all I needed was, you know, to really introduce this concept to the listeners. They can go out and do their own uh, due diligence. And, and I'll have in the show notes where we can link to your videos where you're teaching about it and everything like that. I think it's an excellent strategy, you know, for those who, again, want to get out of those loans and use revolving, um, revolving credit, so to speak, in order to kind of accelerate their, their fire, you know? So, so tell me, 
Zach, you're doing quite a few things here in the Valley, man. Introduce us to Valley Investment Club. How are you helping the community with this, with this club? Yeah, so Valley Investment Club, I think is the best thing ever, but I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's something that I always, I grew up in a club just like this, a, a real estate investment group in Chicago. And I was like, it made such a difference. And I used to drive 200 miles round trip for three years to be part of this community. And, you know, we, it's, it's really more of a community than it is a club. And what I mean by that is, I mean, we, these are really the only people I hang around. I mean, we, we have so much resources in there. We have people that have done doing this for 35 plus years that are doing over a thousand deals a year, all the way down to people that have never invested in real estate before everyone in between. They're doing every type of deal you can think of. And the idea is if we can work together, we can do way more deals because we look at it as like, there's four, there's four uh, currencies. You have time, money, uh, relationships, and knowledge. And there's a lot of, you know, people that come into our group with a lot of money, but they don't have any of the other ones. So we, they leverage that as, as, you know, to get into a deal. There's other people with time, but no money, right? So we, we leverage whatever we don't have inside of the community. And it's just a lot of fun. We're, I mean, we do property tours almost every Saturday. We have masterminds every Wednesday. That looks like you actually come down to our office and uh, it's led by a, a full-time real estate investor. It's facilitated by a full-time real estate investor. And we just get into it, right? We have an education program. Uh, where we, we tell people, hey, watch your education at home, come to our office, to uh, the masterminds, and let's do deals. We have a short-term rental mastermind. We have a multifamily mastermind. We have fix and flip wholesaling masterminds. We have distressed notes and REOs mastermind, wealth acceleration, and essentials. Essentials is where you start off, everyone starts off with. But okay. it's just a, a place to go where you can actually learn real estate on a consistent basis because Outside of this, you know, your options really are to, uh, to go buy books and, and tapes and things yeah. like that, or YouTube and Google or guru events, right? And I classify guru events as the place you go down, they fly in on a Thursday and they fly out on a, on a Sunday, Sunday and yep. 40 to 60 grand and, you know, upsell after upsell after upsell and no one's local, right? They call and they, they get a 1-800 number and an email and you're sort of just stuck with that. And I, I see people like that every day and it just breaks my heart. Uh, so I really feel that, you know, we're, we're committed to the people, we're committed to our group and uh, we want people to do deals. And that's, that's our goal. Perfect, man. So you have the Valley Investment Club, you're doing deals, you know, uh, independently. What's next? What's next for Zach Ullman? What are you doing? What are you planning next? I mean, I want to grow our office. I was just meeting with a, a real estate investor here. I want to grow our office to 500 people that are attending every week. We have the office space to do it. And what I want to do, I want to be the place to go if people want to learn real estate. And then just more cash flow properties. Uh, you know, I love fix and flip and wholesale, but you know, I get I get excited when I when I get to buy a property and I get monthly checks every week. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's really the end goal. I mean, even for wholesalers and fixing flippers, yeah, they like the art of the deal and the, and the moving pieces. But at the end of the day, you know, wealth is built by passive income. You know, how can I stay at home, you know, or do whatever I want to do and still live the life that I want to live without going to punch a clock or, you know, going to a nine to five. So, Man, that's excellent. So you're trying to build this up to 500 members. Um, where are you guys at right now? I know you said, I think you're around 300. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, we have about 320 people. Uh, we have about 100 and, 150 people attend our masterminds on a weekly basis, right? Because, you know, here's the thing. There's a, this is a commitment, right? This isn't like something that you can come into it and, you know, get rich overnight. So, you know, people fall off, life happens, and then they come back. Uh, so yeah, we have about 150 people attending regularly on a Wednesday night and, uh, you know, we're at the precipice. It, it, it took a lot to get here. I remember we started with 10 people in a room that was like 10 by 10 and okay. we just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And a lot of those people that started with us are still with us and it's, it's just awesome. 
That's good, man. That's awesome. So what I want to do next, uh, Zach, I want to roll into our hot seat questions, man. I'm going to put you on a hot seat. I want okay. you to answer these questions as soon as you can, as quick as you can, rather. Uh, so starting out, what would you do different? I would just go for it. I would, I would go find people to talk to and then bring them to somebody experienced and just like sort of ride the, ride the wave with them. Okay. And then um, what is one thing that you could do to be more productive? What is one thing I could do to be, uh, hire stuff out more. That's something I'm focusing on now is I'm focusing on who as opposed to how, like who can I hire, who can do this as opposed to me trying to learn how to do it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so what is your greatest commodity outside of capital? My knowledge, my community. Okay, and then what drives your ambition? You're doing a lot, man. What, what stokes that fire for you? Helping people. I remember when I first started this, I hated going to work every day. I just hated it. <laughs> like, oh, I was so angry. And I just, I remember where I was at then. And I, now I wake up and I, I love life and I get to do what I want, when I want, how I want. I still work hard, don't get me wrong. But I know there's so many people out there that are in that same position. And I just want to help them. And that's one of the big misconceptions that some people have is they think that when you live life on your terms and you don't have to go and punch a clock, that we're not working. Honestly, we kind of work more now than we did for someone else. The difference is, is that we enjoy working. We enjoy doing what we do. I often tell my wife, you know, she's like, you know, you've been in that office for 13, 14 hours. I'm like, well, this is my hangout. It's almost like my clubhouse, you know, and it's, it's where I want to be, you know, because I'm around great people. We're talking, you know, real estate, we're talking growth and development and things like that. So, you know, yeah. So what is, what do you think, what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? What, what do you think is your greatest challenge? The, uh, that I, I have an internal dialogue and we all have it as human beings that tells, you know, I have these, I wake up in the morning and it's like, Oh, I want to go create this. Right. I feel like Superman. And then, you know, that internal dialogue says, well, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you can do it tomorrow. Right. And it just, if you're not present to it, it can really hold you back. And that's why I surround myself. I, I pay for coaches. I have coaches and they just, Hey Zach, remember that's the internal dialogue talking, not you. So we just got to become present to we're capable of anything we want. Just don't hold ourselves back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, that's, that's that negative power of procrastination. You know, yeah. we can always put up these blocks. Well, I'll do it tomorrow or I don't have this. I need that. I need to meet with this person first, you know, and, and the whole time, you know, you're, you're wasting time and time is going along. So, all right. So what is the latest business book you've read? Oh man. Uh, I'm, I'm really big into click funnels right now. Okay. So I love, I, I, he's a master marketer. So I'm reading his, his two books on how to uh, market. I, I dot com secrets and I forget the other one, but Russell, okay. Brunson. Russell, Russell Brunson. Okay. All right. And then what about what's the latest real estate book you've read? Oh man. Uh, Latest real estate. I don't, I don't read a lot of books on real estate. I listen to a lot of videos and podcasts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Well, that sounds good. So tell me, Zach, wrapping up here, man, how can we reach you? How can we get more information about the Valley Investment Club, about Velocity Banking, about Zach Ullman? Where can we reach you? Where can we find you? Yeah, so you can go to my website, uh, www.valleyinvestmentclub.com. And I'm gonna give people, you, I'm gonna give everyone my private phone number. So it's, it's this phone, right? Please respect it. Gotcha. <laughs> but, but I think that's, I love talking to people, right? So my cell phone is 219-508-6725. You can look me up on Facebook uh, or you know, Facebook Messenger or, or whatever, but just shoot me a text and let's hop on a call. All right. Well, I'm going to make sure I have that information down in the show notes. You still got that Indiana telephone number. So yep. <laughs> I'll make sure we plant that in the show notes. And that way you can get more information from Zach. You can find out more information about Valley Investment Club. And 
really get out there and get started and doing some deals. And if you're doing deals, get out there and do more deals. So Zach, I want to appreciate you, man. I want to thank you for coming on. One last thing before we go, what is something that you want to leave with our listeners, man? Here's um, just do it. I'm, I wanted to invest it. I wanted to own my own businesses. I wanted to be, be where I'm at so bad. And it took me 10 years. I remember when I was 18 years old, I was like, Oh, I, this is what I want. And I went through college. I did all the, you know, the stuff I was supposed to, but just go find someone or a group of people that are doing what you want to do and just show up. Never. I tell people in our office, I say, never miss a meeting. And I used to drive 200 miles round trip for three years to be around people that were doing what I do. And eventually you're going to, um, you're going to replicate them in your, in yeah. your, in your language, in your, in your being, in your doing. And what I've noticed is the people that are showing up to my office on a consistent basis, they get help by the people that are experienced because they, they, they show that they're committed. So just stay committed. And another big thing is get focused on what you want. I have a lot of people that come into my office and they say, Zach, I want to make more money. I say, that's great. I pull out some money from my, you know, a dollar bill or two from my wallet. Mm -hmm. And I said, boom, just accomplish that goal. What's next? What's next? And then they look at me and they're like, well, I want more money than that. Well, you you know, you didn't define that. So get really, uh, really define what you want out of your life and, you know, vision boards, uh, journaling, I do all of it. And that way it just stays in your mind. And then, you know, we create it out in the world from there. There you go, guys. Take it from Zach. The power of tenacity, focus, and commitment will definitely take you where you want to go. You just have to roll up your sleeves and do the work. It's not a get-rich-quick uh, business or industry. You have to put in the work in order to reap those rewards. So, Zach, I want to appreciate you coming on, talking to the We Love Equity listeners, and we are signing off here. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.